What if tomorrow morning you woke up and that's where you were? What if tomorrow morning you woke up and found you were stranded on a desert island like the people in the TV show Lost? Okay, and just imagine it. There's no government. There's no police. There's no authority. There's no rules. There's no laws. There's no anything. It's just you guys. And you realize you're going to have to come up with some sort of agreement before people just start wrecking each other before people is just every man for himself. So imagine that what you had was an agreement that you guys were gonna come up with 10 rules, 10 commandments, 10 laws that will be the foundation of this entire new culture, this entire new society. So imagine you were given 10 tokens and it was your job to pick the 10 rules that should be the foundation for your whole society, all right? So just imagine that. So let's see, number one, you're not allowed to murder other people. Um, you're not allowed to steal their stuff. You're not allowed to cheat and lie. Now what you can see is my tokens are running out really quickly and I've gotta have 10 only. So then all of a sudden some smart guy's like, I got one. Honor your mother and father. Would that be one of your top 10? If you only had 10 rules for a, a whole culture, would that really be it? What's going on there? Well. As many of you know, we've been working through the Ten Commandments, and so what we did is we just shuffled them a little bit so that today we could come to the commandment that says, honor your mother and father. We thought for Mother's Day, it would be a good day to talk about honor your mother and father. Now I can see the faces of some of you mothers. You're like, you got that, you, you heard what the man said, now you, you pay attention now, this is gonna be a good one. This is gonna be a good one. But still, why, why could this really be one of God's top 10? Well, here's the first thing to think about. It was not a feminist theologian, but rather ancient rabbis who insisted that whenever you study Deuteronomy 5.16, honor your father and your mother, that you must also study Leviticus 19.3, which says, revere your mother and your father. Now imagine this. Think about how patriarchal that society was. And then even worse, think about Roman times. In the New Testament times, it was even worse. I mean, you know, a woman's testimony didn't count. The man, like, owned the whole. In the midst of an oppressive culture like that comes God's word, and it says, equally honor mother and father. In other words, equally honor man and woman. Pretty radical. But there's a part about this I don't like because it destroys a myth I have. Here's my myth. I am an autonomous individual. I am a self-made man. I choose with my intellect and my reason to become the person I am. Nothing else defines me. I make 
myself. I'm an enlightened man. I'm a renaissance man. I am who I make myself. Uh, you see, whether you're dropped off at a desert island or you're dropped off in Hoboken, wherever you are, your parents are there too. In your head. You can't get away from it. Whoever raised you, whoever raised you is in here. And it shapes not only who I am, it shapes the very way I see the world. It shapes the way I do relationships. So if you had a great experience with strong parents growing up, that gives you this resource when you're out in the middle of nowhere. But if your parents weren't that great, that messes you up. And so the truth is, this command is declaring to me, Langton, you're not this individual autonomous self. You are connected to a family. And wherever you go, it's part of you. And you can pretend it's not part of you, but it is part of you. It says even more. It says, if you're to honor your father and mother, what it's saying is that God honors the family. This is just not one more random sociological construct, one more option. It's saying this is a gift from God that you have a mother and father and you have kids. And those of you who come you know, from single families or if you're a single parent yourself, you know better than the rest of us how hard it is when you're trying to do it on your own. And so this was meant to be this blessing from God, this relational, structural thing that is really kind of like the foundation of society. So you guys, we're talking about all these things on Mother's Day because of this. Mother's Day is like this representation of life itself. You know why? Because for some of us today, it's just a fun, light day where we get to celebrate how thankful we are for our mom. But for other people, today is actually bittersweet. It, it, it could be, it even brings up loss, ancient loss, because it could be grieving the mom I never had. It could be grieving the mom I never got to be. I never had a chance to be a mom. It could be my mom who's no longer here. And so it's deep, deep in us, and it's both the good and the bad, and in Mother's Day, it's like that. It's a paradox, just like life, because life, when I look out at life, and see if this is true for you, when I look out and try and look at it honestly with my eyes wide open, I see two different things at the same time. I see this beautiful creation that God has made with countless possibilities, and I see complete unfairness. I see at the both time incredible beauty and opportunity reflecting the original way that God intended this world to be and I see incredible unfairness because I live in a sin-stained world. This world is broken. We see folks who be the most amazing moms in the world who never get a chance and we see people who have kids and we're like, that isn't even right, they shouldn't even be a parent and the whole world seems unfair and yet it's also beautiful and glorious and full of opportunity all at the same time. So it's this big mixed bag just like this world is. And if I see only one or the other, I'm missing the whole of reality. So in a world like this, why is this commandment 
so desperately needed. Well, let me ask you this. How old do you think the people were that the Ten Commandments were given to? You know, sometimes when we hear, honor your father and mother, we like turn to the eight-year-old and go, you heard that, hey, you're supposed to honor your mother and father. Okay, that's true, but were the Ten Commandments given to eight-year-olds? <laughs> no. Who were they given to? The breadwinners. People in their prime. Uh, us, looks like us right here. It was given to us. You know what it's really saying? Once your parents are so old that they can't carry their full weight, once they are no longer useful, you are to honor them. You are to respect them. I mean, there are cultures that say, hey, I mean, listen, they were in an agrarian society, right? Like, you had to work the land. You had to make enough food. And, like, you got mouths to feed. And, and when someone got so old that they could no longer keep up their share, what do you do with them? You know, there are societies who say, well, don't be a burden to us. You go out in the desert and die by yourself. And into a world like that comes the command of God. It says, no, the weakest and the most vulnerable are the very ones that you must care for. You see, this command is about social justice, the good kind of social justice. This is about the old, frail man. This is about the widow. We are to take care of them. A person's value doesn't change when they are no longer able to be useful, productive. Now, here's the big point I want to ask you. What does it do to you when you actually try and live that way? When you actually try and live this way where you're gonna choose to honor and respect those who are no longer productive or useful, the weakest and the most vulnerable, when you say, I'm gonna honor your personhood, what does that do in you? What does that do in your head? What does that do in your heart? You know what I think it does? It gives you the beginning of the ability to see how God looks at you. When I am completely useless, God completely loves me. Listen again. God completely loves you when you're completely useless. Man, do some of you need to hear that? Do some of us here, we screw up, we mess up, we feel like so useless. And God's like, you are precious in my sight. You see, when I begin to live this way, I'm living in Jesus' way, and I'm beginning maybe to get to a point where I can give myself a little grace, give myself a little mercy. Can you give yourself a little mercy and grace the next time you feel like you're useless? I think the reason that this one command is in the Ten Commandments is that this relationship between us and these older parents is like a canary in the coal mine. Like of all the relationships, me with my little kids, me with older kids, them with me, if that one's doing okay, probably all the rest will come in tow. See, this is one of only two commandments that's 
positive. Most of the commandments are don't do the thing you're tempted to do. This one is do the thing you're tempted to neglect. And when I do this thing I'm tempted to neglect and I live that way, what I find is it helps to shape all the rest of my relationships. This command is also the only one that includes a promise. Listen to it again. Here's the full text. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. So here's this promise. Now, I don't know exactly what that promise means, but I can tell you two things about it that I know are true. Here's the first one. When your family relationships are healthy, your chronic stress goes down. And when your family relationships with your parents or with your kids, when those are messed up, your chronic stress goes up and it's the quicker you die. The lower your chronic stress, the longer you're gonna live, all things considered. So when your mom says, you know, <laughs> you guys are gonna be the death of me. She's right. <laughs> I mean, where else, I mean, the major source of chronic stress in most of our lives is actually in all this family stuff. Okay, here's the other part of it that I know for sure is true. Those of us here who are adults, when our kids watch the way we treat our parents, we are modeling to them how they should treat us. When my kids see the way I treat my parents, I'm modeling to them, this is how you should treat me. So honor your mother and father that it may go well for you later. You can see this is a very practical command. And so when I live this way, I give my children a gift, I give my parents a gift, and we actually receive a gift ourselves. Okay, so here's the hard question. Okay, if that's true, and I think anyone here wants a healthy family, right? We all want that. So what does a healthy family look like? Uh, I just wanna make sure the laptop is on up there, Mr. Wake up, wake up, wake, wow, he really can't hear me. Laptop's on? Good, thank you. Because what I wanna show you guys, I wanna show you just a one minute clip of what I think is perhaps one of the most beautiful examples of a child-parent relationship. I was hoping that you could help me to remember my childhood a little more clearly. I feel a draft. Let's change tables. Get out of here. We have a book. Frank, I'm cold. Order a hot dish. Why can't we sit over there? That's not a boat. So who says we have to sit in a boat? I didn't take the subway all the way to New York to sit at a table like this. Now, George, what do you want to know about your childhood? Actually, I think I'm pretty clear on it. Where's that breeze coming from? Um, I actually think this brings up a very good point, which is this. How do you honor your parents if they're nuts? What if you're George Costanza? <laughs> As a matter of fact, my own kids are asking that question right now. <laughs> how do you do it? Well, I don't have all the answers, but I want to give you one idea. A couple years ago, I don't know how long, it was actually quite a while ago, there was a 
Clint Eastwood movie about this secret service agent who had to protect the president, but the president was a jerk, and the president was a coward, and yet this guy still chose to honor him and to put his life on the line, why? Out of respect for the office. Some of you, if you have one or two parents who are incredibly painful and difficult, maybe you need to honor them out of respect for the office. In other words, maybe you are to honor and respect them, not give them the honor they deserve, give them the honor because of the office and more importantly because of who you are, because of who Jesus is making you, because you are gonna be the person and you wanna become the person who lives like that that you're not controlled with what they did to you or what they failed to do to you or what they're doing to you now. You are controlled by the power of the Holy Spirit and who God is making you to become. It's so easy for me to say, so hard to do, but I, I think that's it. And I gotta tell you, Jesus really bugs me with this stuff. <laughs> he really is frustrating because Jesus comes to me and says, in your interactions with people, Langdon, you are to be kind and caring and forgiving and humble and patient. I'm like, Jesus, those are great ideas. But this guy, Fair, kind, humble, forgiving. Jesus, you don't understand what this guy did. You are to be kind, caring, forgiving. It's so unfair. It's so unfair what Jesus asks. But brothers and sisters, here's the thing. It's taken 2,000 years for psychology to get up to what Jesus is talking about. In our generation, psychologists have come up with a a theory and they call it family systems theory and the idea is to help people who are in crazy families. How do you navigate a crazy family? And this theory has two truths and the first truth is this, you gotta admit the truth. You can't fix them. You cannot make them the family you want them to be. You can't do it. But you can be true to Jesus in the middle of that mess. You can choose to be who you will be. You can choose to say, I and my behavior and the words that come out of my mouth will not be controlled by that mess. It will be controlled by my Savior and I'm gonna walk in his way. Now you guys, here's the crazy thing. The less time you spend trying to fix them, and the more time you spend trying to become the person God is calling you to be, the better it actually gets. It actually does paradoxically shift the system. It makes things more healthy. And so I am called not to try and fix and wish I could make my family something else. I am called to be true to who God is calling me. And when I will own that part, things actually do begin to change. So listen to what the New Testament teaches us, because it really isn't just like parents, you know, you gotta honor your parents, honor your parents, honor your parents. It's it's much more complicated than that. It's a two-way street. Listen to Ephesians 6. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then Colossians 3 echoes it. Children, 
Obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. All right, so I gotta try and do that. Now, if you're an adult and your parents are crazy, it doesn't mean they get to control you. It doesn't mean they get to set the agenda. It means that you will honor them as human beings. Sometimes you have to be more the adult than they are. But nonetheless, this is telling us, and especially for kids, obey your parents and obey them because this is what pleases the Lord. But it's only half the equation, right? Look at the other half of the equation. In Ephesians 6, it goes on to say, but fathers, mothers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And Colossians says, fathers, mothers, don't embitter your children. Or other translations say, don't provoke don't aggravate, don't exasperate your children or they will become discouraged. Okay, so what's the moral of the story for you? What's the moral of the story that I'm trying to give you? Is it this, that if you would just read your Bible more, if you were just more sold out to Jesus, if you would just do everything the right way for the gospel, then you would get to have that perfect, shiny, Christian family? No. There is no perfect family. Jesus didn't have a perfect family. Jesus' mom bore him out of wedlock. As far as we can tell, Jesus' dad died while he was still young maybe like 13 or 14. Jesus' brothers at one point thought he was crazy. They didn't believe him. So God in his mercy, in the very coming of the incarnation, tells us the truth. There is no such thing as a perfect family. And so here's the thing I wanna say, especially to moms on Mother's Day. If there's no such thing as a perfect family, there's no such thing as a perfect parent. You know, I was talking to a young woman out in the parking lot here this week, and she wasn't a member of our church, but she's a young mom, and she was just telling me how stressed out she was. She was saying how hard she tries to do all the things she needs to do as a mom, but she feels like she's never keeping up. She feels like she's dropping balls. She's afraid, she's terrified that she's messing her kids up. And she's completely stressed out, and she goes, and then I realize, I take a step back, and I see that I'm acting that way, and then I feel guilty for acting that way. Like, she's completely tortured. Anybody relate? You guys, think of the pressure you feel. This pressure to be perfect, to be omnipotent. Omnipresent. I think somebody has that job, right? Instead, we feel so much pressure and there's so much stuff in our, in, our, in our culture, like you should do this and this and this and this and this and you should be squared away and all of them. And you're stressed out. And that is not what God wants for you. So here's the truth. Some of you know that my wife Ruth is a psychologist and she has done a lot of work researching into different parenting models. You know, and trying to understand what is the model that really works the best. And the problem is she found one. But the problem is this guy used such a scientific, high-tech title, it's like impossible to understand. It's just so long and so scientific and so technical. Here's the title of this parenting method. It's called Good Enough Parenting. 
good enough. If you just get in the ballpark, if you try to set limits, not a million of them, but the ones you need, and if you try to be somewhat consistent and you cover all that with real, genuine love so your kids have no doubt that you love them, it is gonna be good enough, good enough. So I want you to just think about that. Like we see this in the scripture, we see it in the story of Jesus, and we see it in psychology that if you're just in the ballpark, as a matter of fact, the more you stress to be a perfect parent, the more your kids are gonna feel it. They're gonna know that something's wrong. Like you're gonna add the stress, the chronic stress into the family system. Can I relax and say, I'm gonna try and love my kids, I'm gonna try and set boundaries for them, I'm gonna try and love them, and then I'm gonna lift them up to God and trust their future to God. Now, for those of you, however, who are parents here today, I was thinking it would be helpful like to at least do something practical to give you like one thing that might be helpful. But I didn't also wanna like bore to tears everybody else. So here's what we're gonna do. If you look at the back of your bulletin, you will see on the back of the bulletin your homework, <laughs> if you want it. If you go to our website today, you're gonna find, for this week, you're gonna find a link to a five-minute podcast I've done that will take you step-by-step step through that back side of your bulletin. And by the time you're done with that, you're gonna have one idea to work on. You're gonna have one thing that you're like, you know, that's one area as a parent, I just wanna tweak that a little bit. So I encourage you to do that. If you're a parent here and you're in the midst of that thing, like how the heck do I do it? And I'm hoping that will be helpful for you. But for now, we wanna thank and encourage the moms that are in this room. And so the way I wanna do it is like this. Hi, nice Hi. to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Have you ever done one of these interviews uh, over the camera before? No. Well, let me tell you a little bit about the job to get started with. It's not just um, a job. It's sort of probably the most important job. Uh, the title that we have going right now is Director of Operations, but it's really kind of so much more than that. Responsibilities and requirements are, are really quite extensive. Uh, first category for the requirements would be mobility. This job requires that you must be able to work standing up most or really all of the time, uh, constantly on your feet, constantly bending over, constantly exerting yourself, a high level of stamina. Uh, uh, okay. That's a lot. For how many, like, for how many hours? Uh, 135 hours to unlimited hours a week. It's basically 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I'm sure you'll have a chance from time to time to maybe just sit down here and there, yeah? Uh, you mean like a break? Yeah. Uh, no, there are no breaks available. Is, th is that even legal? Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Okay, yeah. so like no lunch? You can or... have lunch, but only when the associate is done eating their lunch. Uh, I think that's a little intense. No. no. That's crazy. Now, this position requires excellent negotiation and interpersonal skill. We're really looking for someone that might have a degree in uh, medicine, in finance, and the culinary arts. You must be able to wear several hats. Associate needs constant attention. Sometimes they have to stay up with an associate throughout the night. Being able to work in a chaotic environment, if you, if you had a life, we'd ask you to sort of give that life up. No vacations. In fact, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, and holidays, the workload is gonna go up, and we demand that with, with a happy disposition.
Uh, that's almost cruel. <laughs> that's almost a, a very, very sick, twisted joke. But when there's time to sleep or... Oh, no time to sleep. Yeah, all-encompassing, all almost. That's exactly right. 365 days a year? Yes. No, that's, that's inhumane. That's, that's very insane. The meaningful connections that you make and the, the feeling that you get from really helping your associate are immeasurable. Also, let's cover the salary. The position is going to pay absolutely nothing. Excuse me? No. Nobody's doing that for free. Yeah, pro bono. <laughs> Completely for free. No. What if I told you there's someone that actually currently uh, holds this position right now? Billions of people, actually. Who? Moms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Moms. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Oh! <laughs> and they meet every requirement, oh, don't wow. they? Oh my god. Moms are the best! Yeah, there's no pay. They're 24 hours, they're always there. Now I'm thinking about my mom. Yeah, and what are you thinking about her? I'm thinking about all those nights and everything. Thank you so much for everything you do. I know it doesn't seem like I appreciate all of it, but I definitely do. So, Mom, I want to say thank you for everything that you've done. I love you very much. You've been there through thick and thin. My mom is just awesome. She's awesome. I was going to do this in the beginning, but I cry every time I see that. Oh my gosh. So you guys who are moms, and some of you are right in the thick of it, we want to support you. We want to encourage you. We have some slight idea, slight, what it's like. But to all of you who are here, and whatever your biological family is like, whether it was a good thing or a kind of messed up thing, I want you to take a look at these pictures here because I thank God for the moms who are here who are doing their very best to be the best moms they can. But you know what else I thank God for? I thank God for you. Just this week, I had two different people unsolicited come to me and talk to me about you, about how the people in this church have been like uncles and aunts to their kids, how the people in this church have been like grandmas and grandpas to their kids. See, God has also given us this church family, this extended family, and so whether you are married or single, whether you have kids or not, you have a role to play in that. I say all praise to God from whom all blessings flow. All praise to God from whom every family on earth derives its name. All praise to God who has given me a church family, the family called Leverington. Amen. <laughs>